0: Transmitting from the Mojave Wilderness in Joshua Tree, California. Now is the time for Desert Oracle Radio, the voice of the desert. Night has fallen on the Mojave and it went right ahead and got hot. Without asking, as usual. Nobody asked if we were tired of the crisp nights and the bright sunny days still pleasant enough for morning walks, sundown hikes, etc. But at least we've still got plenty of baby animals bouncing around, little jackrabbits and cottontails. Whale, morning doves, plenty of little hummingbirds, and noisy cactus wrens picking bugs out of the screen door loud as they can. Nobody yells like a cactus wren when you disturb it in some way. Such as by walking past the cactus wren and not bothering it. ...in any way whatsoever. Rack, 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 it yells at you. And when it is done hollering at you, it flies off and off. And you know, most of those bugs are stuck in the screen... ...because I go through a lot of candles every night... ...and you know how the moth goes to the flame and all that... Now, Last week, I mentioned getting the swamp cooler going to deal with the new seasonal reality of the hot times up here in the Mojave, and a couple of people mentioned to me that they did not know what a swamp cooler was, or they knew sort of what it was, or they knew it by a different name. Now, most of these queries were from Ireland and England and France, it should be noted, and swamp coolers do not work over there. That's why the early swamp cooler repairmen emigrated to the deserts of the New World so many centuries ago. Now, the Swamp Cooler is a wonderful and simple machine. I used to work on the things many years ago. They're so simple that you can put any idiot on the job. It's a box, usually a box made of thin sheets of metal, sometimes out of fiberglass. And there are big square or rectangular pads attached to the vent panels, and these pads are kept damp by a little drip of water from a little hose, and that water is mostly recycled from the bottom of the pan and goes up and down over the pads again. It's like some back-asswards fish aquarium when you think about it, but very economical. To service a swamp cooler, you just take off the vent panels and you replace the pads if you have to, tighten the fan belt, maybe dig some poor old dried up dead pack rat out of there, throw it down on whoever's at the bottom of the ladder, your comrade. Sometimes you just have to hose out the pads, hose off the pads in the driveway, get all the sand and filth and black widows and whatever else out of there. You know we call them swamp coolers because the pads used to be made from Spanish moss. Spanish moss that you pulled down from the cypress trees in the swamplands of the American South. People used to use that moss for stuffing pillows, and car seats, and all kinds of stuff. It's all natural, it's very strong, it's resistant to rot. But when it finally gets worn out, and you're done with it, you just compost it, bury it, throw it on the ground. Now the pads are made of plastic or of aspen fiber, which works very nicely, but it needs to be replaced more often because the wood fiber starts coming apart in the cooler. And then there are those honeycomb paper or cardboard ones you use in those nice big master cool swamp coolers. If you're in the desert and it's not monsoon season yet and your swamp cooler is not keeping you cool, Clean the pads, maybe replace the pads, maybe get a whole house swamp cooler, one that will fill the whole place with nice cool air all summer long until monsoon season. Well, what makes a swamp cooler work and what makes it work so well, so cheaply and with such low use of energy and minimal use of water? Well, it's magic. Some people call it evaporation. When your swamp box fan is pulling the hot, dry outside air over your damp swamp cooler pads, the water in the pads pulls heat out of the air as the hot air turns the water to vapor. Water vapor and that now cool and humidified air blows into your cabin or your metal shop or your art studio or your coffin factory or wherever it's blowing and you delight in the cool breeze it also keeps your skin and your lips from cracking like desert pavement And when that little tray of water at the bottom of the swamp box has evaporated, a little $20 electric pump like you'd have in a tropical fish aquarium turns itself on, and a little more water goes in there, very efficient. But better yet, it's very refreshing. Air conditioning uses a lot of electricity and chemicals to blow hard, dry, semi-cold air into your house. Sometimes they're necessary. Like when monsoon season comes around early and stays around. Then the air is too humid for the swamp cooler. You need warm, dry air to get the benefit of a swamp cooler. That's why they don't have them down south where the Spanish moss grows. The higher the humidity, the less effective your evaporative cooler. Below about 30% relative humidity, your swamp cooler is going to keep you very comfortable when it's 110 Fahrenheit outside. But as the humidity climbs, the swamp cooler loses its ability to lower the inside temperature. So, when it's muggy outside, just forget it. Now, for a long time, I believed the swamp cooler was an invention of the American desert. There's such a ubiquitous sight upon the roof of every humble desert home. Especially that mid-20th century version, that calcified and half-rusted metal box sort of barely hanging on up there. Decades of hardened and crispy black tar slapped around the vent hole. That wedge of discoloration fanning down the gable side of the roof I had a TV dish bleached white by the sun, and it seems like something very much of our time. But evaporative coolers had been around as long as humans had built cities in the desert, and as humans built the first cities in the desert, as human civilization was born of the desert, created by the desert... Evaporative cooling is some of the very oldest technology to be used in permanent human settlements in ancient Egypt and ancient Persia and Babylon. These grand old ancient cities had slender towers of brick that would catch the desert breeze and direct it over pools of water beneath the buildings. And vents would carry this cool breeze through the palaces, through the temples. And whenever we talk about humans and technology, it's always useful to think about which humans were doing the installation of the swamp coolers. The building of these cities... The baking of the bricks and the baking of the bread. It sure wasn't the king or the queen or the priest. They weren't doing any work. They were sitting inside, presiding over an altar. Fine rugs spread beneath them. The air fragrant with incense. The king was not up there, sweating on the roof. I remember my dad coming down off the roof of some suburban mansion or another in Phoenix and gulping down salt tablets with a quart of water and cursing that he had to go back up there and finish. Finish the job. Life or death up there. To keep it nice in the house below, to keep it nice in the house below for the soft pink humans inside who would come out from the Chicago suburbs or the Detroit suburbs to get away from the wintertime. Anyway, that's quite enough about swamp coolers, but keep them in mind when you're fixing up your place in the desert. They make summer very tolerable, and you won't be spending many hundreds of dollars per month on the electric bill, which is what air conditioners want from you, air conditioners and the death economy that makes them. And they want your money and they want carbon and all kinds of chemical pollutants pumped into the atmosphere. So it keeps getting hotter and hotter down here. Coming to the end of our second season of Desert Oracle Radio. A few more to go, and it seems like every week I want to get to this stack of letters and postcards, and we always run out of time. So let's just make the time tonight. I love getting your letters, and here are some. Good ones. Let's see, this is a postcard from San Francisco. I first came upon Desert Oracle at a bar in 29 Palms, passing through town with a band. I've really been enjoying the magazine and the podcast. Please continue both as long as you are interested in the desert. Signed, Matt J. P.S. Please excuse my terrible handwriting. This one is a postcard from the Center for Land Use Interpretation up in Nevada. It says, Another card from the center. They only send these to me when they want money. Now it's yours to enjoy. Jack Freer, Reno, Nevada. Uh, Here we have a nice letter. This is morning, evening, or maybe afternoon. Whenever it is you get to this note, I hope it finds you well, my friend. Caught the radio show last night, a damn good one, though I must admit that the longer I live in the Mojave, the more I find the UFO jabber to be ridiculous. But I still love it. And the way I love a good ghost story... Reminds me of a night at the Amargosa Opera House, but it can be hard to look past the absurdity of some of the personas involved in the spread of the lore. Still, every time Jaybird and I venture out into the wilds, We look up at the sky in hopes of seeing something wild. Forgive the fickle ink, my typewriter ribbon is dry, and I don't nurture this old machine as much as I oughta. Anyway, thought I would send you a few photos in case you need any. Here's a desert tarantula found behind the cabin here in Blue Diamond. I nearly flattened him underfoot as I was running trails. But he advertised his regal presence on the just rained upon canyon floor. There is a Mojave endemic species. And well, it just sort of fades out here. Let me go ahead. 18 of the tarantula group live in California, Nevada, and Arizona, and I have been blessed or cursed to witness the raw fury of a pitched battle between tarantula and tarantula hawk. was wandering the dunes of the Palin Mountain area near Blythe when I saw the monstrous spectacle. It would take pages to properly tell, but I think it's sufficient to say that I was deeply moved and humbled by the raw oddity of the event. Until next time, keep up the holy work. As ever, see Del Desierto. now here we have a postcard with a picture of the alabama hills on the front on the other side greetings desert oracle writing this while camp at trona pentacles not the alabama hills which was the perfect place to listen to your show about the pleiades was also a perfectly terrifying place to hear the segment about desert crypto beasts like Yucca Man, especially when the dog stood stock still, staring into the distance, hackles raised all down his back. And all I could see was a set of glowing eyes. But thanks... But thanks for all your work, both printed and audio. Cheers from J.G. and Gus, subscribers. Dear Desert Oracle, I put the podcast on for my dad a few months back as we drove. As we drove to Moab from Salt Lake. Prompted him to tell me about his time in the 1950s on Bill Key's ranch. He used to go out there with his stepfather's stepson question mark and the stepson was in his late 20s. My dad was about 10 years old at the time and was often called upon to drive as the stepson would get wasted with his pals in the back seat of their Packard. He remembers being rewarded for guarding the car outside a bar for hours in the heat with an a root beer float. The stepson and pals worked for Bill Keys while my dad lived in a hut constructed of World War II ammo crates. He was given food every couple of days and patrolled Keys' place with his BB gun. He met Keys a few times. Thanks for conjuring this story out of my dad. Eric, KT, Utah. Dear Desert Oracle and Ken Lane, I am writing to tell you how much I appreciate you in the podcast. I admire greatly your ability to collage, information, cynicism, and humor on the backdrop of a well-crafted soundscape. I am a contemporary artist making work about the environment and conservation, and your work inspires me. For a couple more months, I'm living in Escalante, Utah, and at the risk of sounding bold and creepy, I'd like to let you know that you're welcome to visit... I'd really like to meet you someday, and I'm saying this to you because I doubt you wound up meeting Edward Abbey by accident. Thanks again, Shane Skopatz. You know, that's true. It was not an accident. I did not run into Edward Abbey on some dusty trail. I went to see him speak in La Jolla with a bunch of other nuts. Here we have one from, uh, oh, this is from Zenko J.R. Montgomery to Ken of the Desert. This is your monastic fan, Jordan Zentiger Montgomery. Near a month ago, my partner and I had a cocktail with you before your monthly steak dinner. We very much appreciated your strange and terrible campfire stories that night. I heard the most recent submission to the old oracle mailbag and thought a heartening missive would be welcome. This evening we are back in the Mojave, parked in our sand-pocked camper van off Furnace Creek Wash Road in Death Valley, good view of the borax mines. The night is black, true black. The strange clouds this week blocking out the stars. In a few weeks, we'll be married. Is the rain battering down on us now a good omen in May? Or another sign that all things change, our lives and the Earth's climate not exempted? We are returning from our big loop. Eastern Terminus Durango, the day after your stories, we broke down and spent a hellish night along the interstate in Palm Springs, climbed up Queen Mountain from both sides, Boy Scout Trail and a Mark Dirtbag Trail on the south, eight hours hiking in Joshua Tree National Park without seeing another knuckle dragger attempted a direct assault straight up Kelso Dune at high noon and were totally defeated, spiritually and physically. But we did hear the goblin songs. Urinated into a vortex in Sedona during a magnificent storm, caught a plainclothes ranger at Petrified Wood in that crystal grove. Spent a few nights in revelry with Zenny's in Albuquerque. Got wicked, debilitating food poisoning at a little place called... We'll skip the name of that restaurant. Everybody has bad days. Retired to the mountains to recover. In the good thin air from Mesa Verde. And then it kind of trails off, and he says, I don't know where I was going with this. My little battery-powered light flickered out. It's three weeks later in Berkeley, so far away from the red rocks we enjoyed in the canyonlands. Arches is a radioactive industrial tourist zone, not dissimilar from Zion. We did not even stop in Zion, as their parking lots were all teeming. Anyway, this is a letter or was a letter that had the intention of thanking you and inviting you to come up to Tasahara again. And there are times when you could duh, 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 we'll leave out this private information. And there's also the option of well, that's a good option. I'm gonna leave that out as well. Well, Zenko Jordan, I want to thank you for this very nice letter, and I'll answer this one off the air. It is always so nice to find something other than another enormous bill from the printers when I visit Post Office Box 1735 here in Joshua Tree. So please do keep your cards and letters coming. We do love them. And if you can't find a pen or you don't own any paper, we're at desertoracle.com. Boy, to Isaac's, and across the great Mojave wilderness, this has been Desert Oracle Radio, and I am your host, Ken Lane. We broadcast from KCDZ FM in Joshua Tree and on fine community radio stations up and down the West Coast through Public Radio Exchange. The soundscapes you hear on tonight's program are by Joshua Tree's own red, blue, black, silver. You can get the podcast of this broadcast wherever you get podcasts. Try telling that Spotify thing, Play Desert Oracle Radio. It'll do it. You know, Brother Jay forwarded a news story from our local newspaper announcing that the power may be cut off to various parts of the high desert throughout the summer to evade wildfire danger or to evade the electrical grid starting residential fires. Boy, that is not going to be fun at all. Might be a good time to get off the grid, put up some more solar panels, and run your own thing. The electric grid, like so much of our modern world, has become a liability. Probably in 10-15 years, nobody will even remember what the electric grid was. Hopefully it will be forgotten, not because we're hiding deep beneath the surface of the earth, but because we've come up with something a lot better. We'll come up with something better. Hang in there. Thank you for listening. As always, we do appreciate it. And good night from the voice of the desert.